Well, I don't know if you've noticed, I have for quite some time, that our world seems obsessed with physical fitness and health. Have you noticed that? I wish they didn't, because if they didn't, it would make it easier on me not to be obsessed with those things. But our world is obsessed with that. And if you, some of you are my age, or uh, some of you are even older than that, you'll think back with me. It all started, I believe, with Richard Simmons. He's the guy that we should blame. Do you remember, if you're laughing, you remember. If you're not, you're too young, enjoy it, because you will get old. But it was Richard Simmons, and he had what? Sweating to the oldies. And he started it all. And as a result of that, there has been a fitness craze all over this country for years and years and years. And now we have P90X. If you ever want to kill yourself, that'd be a great way to do it. You don't need to uh, find any other way. Just do P90X for about 15 minutes. You'll kill yourself. Now there's T25. For those that don't have enough time to do P90X, you can get it all in in 25 minutes. I've actually looked at that one, but then I look and I go, no, I would kill myself with that as well. Back several years ago, I was up one, uh, late one night and I watched an infomercial and I thought that there had been a major breakthrough in this area. They were selling a pill, let me get this right, it was called Exercise in a Bottle. That's what it's called. Maybe some of you have seen it. And if that wasn't good enough, there was also a pill that you could, ta- that you could buy along with Exercise in a Bottle. It was called Fat Trapper. And I thought, this has got to be the greatest thing that has ever been invented. I don't have to exercise. I take a pill. It's as if I've exercised. And if I happen to eat something that was very fattening, that's no problem either, because I just take the fat trapper and it is trapped. My body is rid of that. And I thought, this is awesome. And so I and another pastor at Colonial who remain nameless ordered this exercise in a bottle and fat trapper. And I'm here to tell you, obviously, it did not work. But wow, what a great thing it would have been if it did. I think that the guys that uh, did that infomercial are now in jail, probably. But we have had a fitness craze for a very long time in this country. And I want to say to you at the outset as I introduce our text for today that I think it's great that there's an emphasis in our culture on being healthy. And I joke a lot about that, but uh, just so you know, for accountability's sake, I, I do exercise. I try to exercise at least six or seven times a week. Now, I'm not eating like I should, but I, but I am exercising, and I, I do think that that's important, so I don't want you to think that I take that lightly. But my concern is that as followers of Jesus, some of us are more concerned about the health of our physical heart, and we neglect the spiritual condition of our heart. I want to stop there for just a moment, let that sink in. Some of us, in fact, this week, you went to the doctor, you went for your annual physical. If you're, if you're my age, you're a little bit older, you know, you, you, you see all these stories and you hear about these people that have heart attacks and things like that. So you want to make sure that you exercise and you want to make sure that, that you're going to the doctor and you're getting a regular physical so that you, you keep your body in good physical condition so that hopefully, uh, Lord willing, you can live a long, uh, productive life here on this planet before you go to be with Jesus. And yet I'm convinced that many of us spend much more time consumed with that than we do with the condition of our spiritual heart. Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Mark 8, 36 says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet he forfeits his own soul? 
it's really important that we take care of our spiritual well-being. I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, that's where we're going to find our verse that we're going to focus on this morning in Proverbs chapter 4. And I'm going to read to you verses 20 to 27. And then we're going to focus in, we're going to hone in on verse 23 for the remainder of our time together this morning. Verse 20 says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your spirit, keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or swerve to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Now, the context is we've been talking about all this summer and in this particular text and in many of the texts in the book of Proverbs, the context is advice from a father to his son. It's the wise father, in this case, a man named Solomon, the wisest man, Scripture tells us, that ever lived on the planet. He's basically saying to his son, as an older man who's made lots of mistakes, this is how life works. This is what I've learned along the way, and I want to make sure that you listen to this. And so I want to focus this morning on just that one verse, verse 23, which says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. You know, our hearts are amazing things. I did some research this week on our hearts. Some of you probably know some of these things. Some of you probably don't. Put your hand over your heart right now. Everybody, just while I'm saying, put your hand over your heart. Immediately, what did you do? Everybody put their hand over on the right side. Some of you know this, but you know that your heart is not on the right side. It's really closer to the center, and there's a lobe that kind of goes off to the left side, and that's why we have a tendency to put it over there, because that's where we feel our heartbeat. Hold out your hand and make a fist. If you're a, a child this morning, a young child, that would be the size of your heart. If you're an adult, you put two fists together and that would be the size of your heart. Did you know this, that your heart beats about 100,000 times in one day? 100,000 times. And about 35 million times in a year. And during an average lifetime, the human heart will beat more than 2.5 billion times. And because it will beat 2.5 billion times, that's why some of us don't exercise a lot because we don't want to use it up, all up on exercise. And so it's kind of like if you bank them, then you, that, that, that's not good logic probably. If you give a tennis ball a hard squeeze, scientists tell us that you're using about the same amount of force that your heart uses to pump blood out to the body. And even at rest, the muscles of the heart work hard, twice as hard as the leg muscles of a person who is sprinting. Pretty amazing, isn't it? You can feel your pulse by placing two fingers at the pulse points on your neck or on your wrist. The pulse that you feel is, is blood that's stopping and starting as the, as the heart pumps it and it moves through your arteries. Did you know that your aorta, the largest artery in the body, is almost the diameter of a garden hose? And yet the capillaries, on the other hand, are so small that it takes 10 of them to equal the strand of a human hair. Your body has about 5.6 liters or six quarts of blood. And this six quarts of blood circulates through the body three times every minute. In one day, the blood travels a total of 12,000 miles. That would be coast to coast four times. 
The heart pumps one million barrels of blood during an average lifetime, and that's enough to to fill more than three super tankers. Our hearts are amazing, amazing things. And when we think of our hearts, we think of this amazing organ in our chest that pumps blood and sustains our life. But people in the Bible understood the heart's physical function differently than we do today. And that's why it's important to understand a text like we see here in Proverbs chapter 4. From their viewpoint in Bible times, the heart was the central organ that moved the rest of the body. And since uh, today we understand the anatomy our anatomy differently than those in Bible times, the English versions of the Hebrew word that's translated heart, they tend to accommodate it uh, to more of a scientific viewpoint. In the Bible, the heart encompasses more than what we mean by mind, for which there is no word, mind, there's no word for that in the Hebrew language. The heart, however, in the Bible is the center of the being. It's where the will, it's where the affections, the thoughts, the purposes, uh, the imaginations, it's where all of that resides. So when we talk about the heart in the Bible, we're not just talking about a physical organ. We're talking about that's where all of life comes from. Human emotions affect, in Bible times, some of you have heard this, human emotions were most frequently associated with the lower organs. Now think about that for just a moment. Think about how Valentine's Day might be totally different today if we understood the heart in the same way. The man in Bible times might have said to his wife, I love you with all of my intestines. That would have a great effect. Can't you see the Hallmark card now and and the, the images that might be floating on that card? That's where the emotion was frequently associated with, with the lower organs. The Hebrew and the Greek words that are translated in our English Bibles, heart, are used over a thousand times in the Bible. In fact, it is the most common anthropological term in all of Scripture. And so it denotes the person's center for both physical and emotional, intellectual, and also, and this is important, also our moral activities. The heart is the source of whatever affects our life and our character. And that's why it's so important. The Hebrew term heart is not simply a metaphor for feelings or emotions, but it also refers to the actual place in the body where thinking occurs and where wisdom is born. And so how the heart was viewed at the time that the Bible was written is spelled out in a lucid text that we find in ancient Egypt, which describes how the heart is related to other bodily organs in performing its task. In the theology of Memphis, it's written this, the sight of the eyes, the hearing of the ears, the smelling of the air by the nose, they report directly to the heart. And it is this, the heart, which causes every completed concept to come forth. And it's the tongue which announces what the heart thinks. That's pretty cool. In other words, the heart receives factual knowledge from the surrounding world through our eyes, through our ears, and then through speech, it expresses the conclusions that it's drawn. Okay, does that make sense to you? I know it's early on a Sunday morning, but but basically we're saying the heart is the bodily organ by means of which the raw data of what we experience in life is shaped into thoughts and concepts and judgments and ultimately out of the heart 
comes, we speak. It's what we think. And so here's the summary after all of that, if you're already lost. If our hearts are not properly aligned with God, then what comes out of our lives will not be God-honoring. Now, we know that in a physical sense. We know that with our physical bodies. We know that if we don't exercise, that if we don't have proper nutrition, we know that ultimately our bodies are going to break down, that we will, we will never be the physical machine that God wants us to be, and he created our bodies to be. Why is it that we don't understand that in the spiritual sense? And so this is why Solomon tells us, he tells, his, he tells his son, hey, this is what I've learned. Keep your heart with all vigilance because out of it come the springs of life. Now I wanna break down that verse just a little bit further and I wanna talk about what it means to keep our heart with all vigilance. Some translations of this text use slightly different words. The message, for example, says keep vigilant watch over your heart. The NIV says above all else, guard your heart. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else. The King James says, keep thy heart with all diligence. The New American Standard says, watch over your heart with all diligence. The imperative that's given in this text is a continual watching, not occasionally looking it over. Uh, it, it gives us the idea of a guard or a watchman that has put in specific responsibility to watch over something that is incredibly valuable. We're to guard over our hearts with more guarding than we would guard anything else. Now let me ask you this morning, do you guard your heart in that way? Do you guard what's coming in to your heart and being processed in your heart and as a result making its way out of you? Do you guard that? more than you guard or you treasure anything else. It seems like uh, the, that life around us is filled with reasons to be on guard and to protect ourselves from the loss of damage by theft with respect to our material goods or to our, our physical well-being. And here's what I know. Here's what I know to be true in my life, and you know this to be true as well. We only guard what's valuable, right? We only guard what's valuable. It's amazing that we all, uh, sometime this week, especially if you live in the town of Cary, you'll put your trash cans out by the side of the street, won't you? And nobody will guard them. You won't put your dog out there and, hey, if anybody touches my trash can, bite their leg. You wouldn't do that, right? That's trash. It's, it's garbage. And if you're like me, I think we waited like two days to take our trash can in this week. And that's, that's like a no-no in Cary. Like, and especially in our neighborhood, you can get fined for that, right? but we don't care about our garbage can. In fact, I'd really rather it sit out by the street than in my garage. Anybody with me there? We don't, we don't guard that. We don't watch over it. We only guard those things that are valuable. We don't see guards posted at the city dump, but there are armed guards and security measures at banks and at jewelry stores. Why? Because those things that are there are considered by us, by society, to be of great value. The human principle says something like this about God's view of the heart. He knows that the heart is of great value, and he knows that it's, because it's of great value to him, it should be to the one who possesses it. And thus the command to watch out for our hearts, as we would, if we were entrusted with the biggest diamond in the world, with a huge stash of our money, because the integrity and vitality of our spiritual lives literally depends on whether or not we guard our hearts. Now, the things that concern our inner man are far more important and eternally consequential than our material things. 
that we sometimes overprotect. And what the text is saying here is out of all the areas in life that force us to take security measures, the Bible presents our efforts to protect our heart as the most important of all. In fact, if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and you're not doing what's necessary to protect your heart, then it would be as if you had all the money in the world and you left it out there in front of any thief or anybody that would take that. It's important. We can guard our financial interest. We can guard ourselves from physical illness or injury. But if we fail to guard our hearts, we've missed the most important thing in life. The plain fact is this, that more, more than personal ruin and eternal loss, that there is more failure, there is more eternal loss that has been caused by failure to protect this one thing than our failure to protect our material things combined. And yet so many of us rarely, if ever, give any thought whatsoever to keeping our heart, to protecting our hearts. One man said it this way, the heart is the citadel of the soul. If this is neglected, the enemy at the gates will soon be in and will take possession of it. Set a watch, therefore, upon the heart. Let the sentinel be never off duty nor sleeping at his post. The idea is that we are continually watching over our hearts because it is so important, because it is so valuable. And when we don't pay attention to our hearts, we're in for trouble. Here's what you're going to find to be true. People don't usually wake up one morning and all of a sudden fall off the deep end, spiritually speaking. They don't do that. There's little compromise over time. Over time, I had a, a pastor friend of mine that it was little compromise, just moment by moment by moment, just little compromise. It began for him with his eyes, with an addiction to pornography. And before too long, it became a financial problem because of all the money that he was spending on the pornography. And before too long, it was, it was then financial debt. And as a result of the financial debt, he finally began to spiral out of control. And, and, and just recently, I realized that for this pastor, he's now become convinced in his own mind that there is no God. That God that he went to school, that he might be qualified to be, a, to be a pastor, to be a servant of the Lord in a church, he now has spiraled out of control. And as I've watched his life, it did not happen just at one moment that he woke up one day and said, I don't, I don't believe this anymore, I'm going to go this direction. It was little compromises one right after the other. Kind of like that leak in the hose of your washing machine. You know how they tell you to every once in a while change the hoses on your washing machine? Why is it? Because it all of a sudden bursts, but, it, but, it, but it's not that it just all of a sudden a new hose breaks. It's, it's little by little by little the, the, the seals begin to wear away and the rubber begins to get a little fragile. And then all of a sudden it, it, it bursts. And that's what it's like if we don't guard our hearts. And that's why it's so important for us to guard our hearts, to keep watch over them diligently. And why is it worth the effort? Why is it so important in order for us to be able to do that? Again, our, our text says, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the springs of life. The message says, that's where life starts. The NIV says, for everything you do flows from it. The New Living Translation, for it determines the course of your life. 
the KJV, for out of it are the issues of life. That's why it's important to guard our heart because out of our hearts, out of what we have put in and begin to process on the inside, that's where life makes up its mind. That's where life determines its destination. I like what Spurgeon writes. He, he wrote this. The heart is just the reservoir of man and our life is allowed to flow in its proper season. That life may flow through different pipes, the mouth, the hand, the eye, but still all the issues of hand, of eye, of lip derive their source from the great fountain and central reservoir, the heart. And hence there is no difficulty in showing the great necessity that exists for keeping this reservoir, the heart, in a proper state and condition. Since otherwise that which flows through the pipes must be tainted and corrupted. Jesus, I think, said it even better when he wrote this in Luke chapter 6, verse 43, he said, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor the grapes gathered or picked from bramble bushes. Verse 45 of Luke 6, Jesus said this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? The mouth speaks. Whatever's in the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus went further to say in Mark 7, 21, for from within or out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. That's what we do when we have a bad heart. You ever wonder why you do good things? It's because of the good that is in your heart, because of the good that has been put in and has been processed. Every time we encounter a new situation, out of our heart flows whatever there is that's in there, whether it's good or bad. The quality of our inward moral and spiritual life flows out of us, and uh, Solomon says it flows out of us like a spring. You ever wonder why you and I make bad decisions? You ever wonder why you say the things that you do? We learned when we were little, we said it's just the devil that made me do it, right? No, it's not necessarily the devil that made you do it. It's because that's what's on the inside. Why do you say the things that you do? Why do you not say the things that you don't say? Why do you think the things that you think? Why do we have the attitudes that we do? Why are we continually confused when we have to make major life decisions and have some direction? It's because we need to keep our heart with all vigilance because out of it flow the issues of life. If the heart is not right, we will never make good, right, and wise decisions. I'm convinced for so many of us, the reasons why we make good decisions are sometimes because of the pressure around us. I think for kids, and we recognize this, parents, sometimes when our kids leave our homes, that the reasons why they've made good decisions are not because they have a heart for the things of God, but simply because the outward pressure that we've placed upon them to behave a certain way. I want to challenge you to shepherd the heart of your kids, parents, and not to be so consumed with what you see on the outside that you miss what's going on on the inside. That's why Solomon said to his son, hey, here's what dad's learned after making a lot of mistakes. Keep your heart with all diligence. Watch it, guard over it, because out of it flow the issues of life. 
so many of us are so much more consumed with what we see on the outside and do very, very little to guard what's on the inside, our spiritual condition. Now, in our last uh, few minutes this morning, I know I've given you a lot of stuff which can be reeling around in your head about the heart and how we process and how the heart makes up its mind and, and out of the heart, the mouth speaks, we, we, we act. But the, the question for me is always, how do we keep our spiritual hearts healthy? And so I wanna give you four things as we close. These are things that you can do. And I believe, by the way, parents, you can do it yourself. Singles, you can do it yourself. Uh, but you can also, parents, you can teach these things to your kids. And, and I think it'll be helpful to them as well. Here's how we keep our spiritual hearts, hearts healthy. Four things. Number one, know the symptoms of a spiritually unhealthy heart. Know what the symptoms are of a spiritually unhealthy heart. In England, in the, in the 1600s, there was a Puritan writer named John Flavel, and he wrote about this verse. Proverbs 4.23. Now you wouldn't have want him to have preached on this particular verse because he wrote a hundred page book. That's what the Puritans do, right? They, they write things like that. A hundred pages on Proverbs 4.23. And lest you think that I read it, I did not read it, but I do have some very specific things. He said this. He said, our hearts are like a musical instrument. You tune it and you've got it just right. And then you hang it on the wall for a few days and it goes out of tune. Or you tune it and then something bumps it and it's out of tune again. And he said, our hearts are like that. They can be right with God and then something disrupts them or we neglect them and they begin to stray. That's why it's so important for us to keep our hearts in tune. And just like a musician who knows his instrument is out of tune, we need to know when our hearts are out of tune and not in tune with Jesus. Again, parents, uh, let me just challenge you to know your kids, to spend time with your kids, not just watching them at their swim meets or at their soccer games, but, but talking to them and understanding what's in their hearts. It's unbelievably important to know when your heart is out of tune. Socrates said this, the unexamined life is not worth living. You need to examine your life. Do you know what it looks like when your heart is properly aligned with God? Do you remember what that's like? As I was thinking about that this week, I thought there's probably so many of us that don't even recognize or remember what it is really like for our hearts to be in perfect tune with God. I was getting ready to exercise this week and I sat down to put my shoes on next to the treadmill and I looked over and I saw this guitar that some high school guys bought for me like when I was 35 that I still don't know how to play. And as I was thinking about this verse, I thought, you know, if I picked up that guitar right now and I started strumming on it, which I can't strum very much, don't get me wrong, but if I started strumming on it, I would not know whether it was in tune or not. It would sound great to me and yet if Scott Lachine or one of these guitar players came up, they'd probably go, oh, it, it's horrible. That sounds terrible. The point is that we need to know and we need to understand the symptoms of a spiritually unhealthy heart when, when we're out of tune. We spent the month of May talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the life of a follower of Jesus. We talked a lot about what it means to be sensitive to the voice and to the leading of the Spirit of God in your life. Do you know what that's like? 
Do you know what it's like when God speaks to your heart or you do, do you just simply respond to guilt trips that pastors put on you or other Christians put on you or your spouse puts on you? Or do you know what it's like to have a heart that is totally in tune with God so that when he calls you to move, you just move? I was talking with our elder team this week and we were talking about what our response as a church should be to the plight of the unborn, to this uh, uh, issue of abortion in our culture. And we were talking about all the things that we could do and all the programs that we could set up. And, and this verse came to my mind, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. When your heart, when my heart is in tune with the God of the universe, when it's properly aligned, I don't have to tell you what your response should be to abortion. I don't have to tell you to pray or to get involved in supporting a, a single mom with a, with a new baby baby that wasn't expected. I don't have to tell you how to do that. Your heart is in tune with God. And as a result of that, right action comes forward. Does that make sense to you? That's why we're so committed and so consumed here at Northwest that we don't want to be just a bunch of puppets that walk around and you look a certain way and you behave a certain way because everybody around you looks at you and goes, well, they must be good because look at what they're doing when we know that the wellspring of our life, our heart, is far from God. When your heart is properly aligned with God, when you have a healthy heart spiritually, you respond to things because it's the spirit of God, not because somebody puts you on a guilt trip. We're not about guilt trips. We're about fully devoted followers of Jesus. And that begins, my friends, when we have hearts that are properly aligned with God. So you have to know what that looks like. <laughs> I have to know what that looks like. And I think I do in my life, and I hope you do as well. You know when your heart is properly aligned and the Spirit of God is speaking to you and it's not just somebody putting you on it. You know what that's like. You know what that's like. Know the symptoms of a spiritually unhealthy heart. Number two, you're gonna say we've heard this a hundred times the last few weeks and you have, but I'm gonna give it to you again. Spend time in the Word and in prayer. You say you tell us that all the time. I mean, it sounds like a broken record. Don't you have any new material? Nope, that's all I got. Spend time in the word and in prayer. I know this, if you don't ever exercise, your heart will not be healthy. You little skinny guys out there that think you're healthy because you know you're not as fat as I am, let me just tell you this, you can be a little skinny guy, all right? You, you, but, but if you don't exercise, your heart muscle is not good. I don't care what you look like. You look at some of the rest of us and you go, hey, he could stand to lose 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds. I don't care what you think. If you don't exercise, I don't care what you think you might look like on the outside. You are not healthy. It's what you and I do when nobody else is looking, but just God is watching. That's what makes our hearts spiritually healthy. We need to spend time with God in, in his word and in prayer. Some of us say, well, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to spend a Bible study in prayer. You don't understand how busy I am. Here's what I know and what I've become convinced of in my own life. I do what I want to do, don't you? Go like this, okay? I know, it, I know it's, you do. You do what you want to do. Don't you ever tell me you don't have enough time. You have time to do everything that you want to do. And you'll find this to be true of me. If you call me and ask me to do something, I will rarely tell you I just don't have time. I, I, I won't, because I know deep down in my heart, I have time to do everything that I stink and want to do. Everything. Sometimes there's some things I just don't want to do. I can't say I don't have time to exercise. I got time to exercise. I got time to get a big bowl of ice cream just about every evening. I make time for it. It's scheduled, right? 
We have time to do exactly what we want to do. And why is it important that we make time for this? Because the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against God. Some of you wonder why you're constantly sinning. That probably is why. Because you don't feed on God's word. You don't make time for those things. Number three, we got to move. Be careful what you think about. Be careful what you think about. Now, this is a new one for you, maybe, for some of you. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We could look at you this morning and we could go, wow, what a godly person. Look at them serving. Look at what they're doing over here. Mm. You can quote verses to us and we can go, wow, they're so wonderful. Wow, such a wise man. Look at his now, look at her knowledge of the word. That's because we don't know what you think about. What you think about in your heart, that's who you are. Tozer wrote this. I can't read the whole thing, but, but this, this is really good. What we think about when we are free to think about what we will, that's what we will soon become. Let me say that again. What we think about when we are free to think about what we will, that is what we will soon become. He said, anyone who wishes to check out his spiritual condition may do so by noting what his voluntary thoughts have been over the last hours or days. What has he thought about when free to think about what he pleased? Toward what has his inner heart turned when he was free to turn wherever he would? When the bird of thought was let go, did it fly out like the raven to settle upon floating carcasses? Or did it like the dove circle and return again to the ark of God? Such a test is easy to run. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can discover not only what we are, but we, what, are, what we are going to become. I wish I'd written that. It's really good, isn't it? Be careful what you think about. And then lastly, you gotta understand the principle that you've all heard before, and I'm just gonna repeat it again. Garbage in, garbage out. You gotta understand that principle. Garbage in, garbage out. Our missionary Dima uh, Kotick posted on Facebook yesterday. Agree or disagree? Nutrition is 80% of, of fitness. And at first I thought, that's dumb. I mean, that's not the hard part, but, but it really is. Nutrition is 80% of fitness. In other words, what we're putting into our life is about who we're going to become. Wise people are careful about what they read, what they hear, what they see, what they talk about in their daily conversations. They're diligent to keep trash out of their minds and their hearts because ultimately they understand garbage in, garbage out. In his book, The Practice of Godliness, Jerry Bridges writes this, that our minds are mental greenhouses where unlawful thoughts once planted are nurtured and watered before being transplanted into the real world of unlawful actions. People seldom fall suddenly into gluttony or immorality. These actions are savored in the mind long before they're enjoyed in reality. The thought life then is our first line of defense in the battle of self-control. And it is. You can't put garbage into your minds by virtue of what you're looking at on the internet, what you're listening to, what you're watching on a TV screen or in a movie theater. You can't put all that garbage in and expect your heart to be properly aligned with the mind of Christ. That principle is universal. It's true in our physical bodies. It's true in our spiritual lives as well. Garbage in, garbage well, let me, uh, let me land the plane here. 
The bottom line is this, and this is what I, I, I would hope um, that you would get out of this this morning, is that the heart is the master control of the life. It's the master control. And here's, here's the truth, that a wrong heart always produces a wrong life. If your life goes wrong, you will point back to your heart having been wrong. The heart is the center of the thoughts and feelings and out of which, as we've talked about, conduct comes. This is the place where life makes up its mind and where direction is determined. And that's why we're to make sure that we guard it as if it were our most valuable possession. How sad it would be to guard your portfolio so that you can retire well or so that you can get that, that, that vacation home or whatever it else it is that you want to do with your treasure. How tragic it would be if you guarded that and yet failed to guard your heart. I love this. 1 Samuel 16, 7, written about David. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at what? God looks straight through to our hearts. The heart, that's what God sees. And because God principally looks at it, the heart has to be our primary concern. God doesn't look at the outside. He doesn't look at all the good things necessarily that we're doing or all the fronts that we put in. He looks straight through to our heart. And the heart must be the first, chief, constant object of focus for the follower of Jesus Christ. Here's what you're going to find to be true in your life. I found it to be true in my life even this week that when my heart is properly focused as it should be, when I am with all diligence, with vigilance guarding my heart, what flows out is good. And when I'm not guarding and when I'm not watching my heart and I'm not doing the things that are necessary to have a healthy heart spiritually, that's when you better watch out. That's when bad stuff starts to happen. And that's why the wise father said to his son Solomon, keep guard of your heart with all vigilance because out of it flow all the issues, all the circumstances of our life. That's where they come from. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for a verse like this that while it can be so simple, it can be so profound. God, forgive us, so many of us that are more consumed and concerned with the physical well-being of our hearts beating in our chest, that we have neglected the spiritual well-being of our hearts. And Father, my prayer is for us as individuals, those of us that are followers of Jesus, God, that we might do just this, that we might guard our hearts. As parents, God, I pray that you'd help us to help our kids understand what it means to guard their hearts. God, as a dad, I pray that you'd cause me to be more concerned with my kids' hearts than I am with some outward appearances, whether good or bad. Because out of it flow the issues of life, flow the springs of life. That's the reservoir of which all of life is determined. And so I pray that we would guard it we would guard it vigilantly so that we can be the men and the women that you've called us to be, that you desire for us to be in order that we might impact and influence this world, our world, for Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.